be rich. It's an interesting title for a pastor to be preaching. Over the past, this is our fourth week now, we've been talking about this. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of 1 Timothy, which has been our passage every week. 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, and as you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses that are joining in with us right now. I want to welcome you. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm excited every week to be able to strategically join with you right where you're at and to know that we are making a difference not only here in Jackson, but literally around West Tennessee and Illinois and around the world, and you're a part of, of that. We're glad you're with us today. We've been looking at this whole subject of um, how to be rich. Today I want to talk about diversify, okay? We've been looking at different aspects of it. How many of you know that when you go to, uh, to do your investment portfolio or whatever, if you've ever done that kind of thing, uh, they tell you, here's what you want to do is you want to diversify. You don't want to put all your money uh, in one thing. You don't want to put it all in this particular stock or that or the other, although many of us wish we'd put all our money about 20 years ago in Apple stock. But anyway, uh, or Walmart stock about 40 years ago, and uh, right? So they tell you to diversify, to, to you know, kind of spread it out. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. How, how does God tell us to diversify is what we're going to be looking at. A, a lot of times what, what we need to understand is that if we begin to look at, at, at the whole aspect of wealth uh, through the perspective of eternity, it has a way of loosening the grip uh, that we have on it. Uh, it kind of loosens the grip we have on it. It also loosens the grip uh, that's on our heart as well. We've been learning how to be good at being rich. You say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm not rich. Well, uh, we've, we've been learning how to be good at being middle class. Is that better? Does that, that make you feel better? You say, I'm not rich, so, but, but everybody wants to be at least middle class, right? So we, we've been learning uh, how to do that. Now, the deal is, is that most of us don't feel rich, and, and we found out why it is because uh, it's kind of a sliding scale. Wherever you get to, um, it, it kind of moves up, and, and again, you find yourself uh, at that point, you go, well, I, I was doing good here, and now I'm here, but I, I need to get there, and, and there's, this, there's this movement that takes place. Uh, but I, I would dare say to you that most of the world would love to have middle-class rich people problems, right? I mean, you know, rich people problems is like uh, uh, our internet's too slow. You know, rich people problem is kind of like uh, um, <clears throat> I don't have good cell phone reception. R rich people problem, I, I had a rich person's problem this morning. All right, I, I come to church really early on Sundays, and, and uh, Starbucks, uh, that's a rich person's problem, Starbucks <laughs> doesn't open on Sunday until 5.30. That's a problem for me. They ought to open earlier. But anyway, they open at 5.30, and so as I'm going there at 5.30 in the morning, I, I don't know if you know this. I don't know how many of you are out at that time of day on Sunday, uh, but there's not a whole lot of people out. But the lights don't know it. <laughs> right? And, and so I get to the light right there at, at Chick-fil-A, and, and, and I can see Starbucks. It's right there. And that light lasted at least an hour. <laughs> I mean, it was at least an hour. And the, the problem was uh, I wasn't tempted to run it, but here's the reason I wasn't tempted to run it. There was a policeman right in front of me. <laughs> if he hadn't have been there, I might have had a little temptation in that moment. Uh, and, and what happens to us is, is that, you know, we make the, man, I can't believe I'm having wait, wait, wait a minute. J just think about how many people would just love to have a car. Right? 
How many people would love to have the problems that we consider problems, uh, but really they're not? Now listen, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. I promise you that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get us to the point that we live with gratitude because gratitude makes us generous. Gratitude is that place that we live from saying, thank you, God, for all that you've done. We enjoy it. We enjoy the blessings. We love it. In fact, the Scripture tells us, we'll read in a minute, that God's given us all of these things to enjoy. He wants us to do that, uh, but we live with open hands. Now, the Apostle Paul is instructing Timothy, and he says, hey, uh, if you ever get around rich people, understand that rich people are going to, there, there's going to be some side effects that come along with being rich. And, and he, he gave us some of those, and we've kind of gone over them, but let me refresh your memory. Uh, what, what happens to us is, most of us grew up in some kind of a home that believed in God. Now, you may not have gone to church, uh, you may not have been regular attenders, but everybody kind of believed in God and in the hereafter and whatever, right? Uh, and yet what we find is is that sometimes the more finances we get the richer we get instead of trusting in God we find that we're inclined to trust in our wealth uh, and, and in fact what happens to us is is we begin to think well I'm just going to save and the more I save then, then I'll create this safety zone that if anything happens I got enough money put back and it'll take care of it well let me tell you how much ever money you've got put back it is not enough it's never enough. It's, it's never going to be enough. And so I, I had you work with me a couple of weeks ago to make this declaration. I'm going to give it to you again just to remind you. And, and here was the declaration. I will not place my trust in riches, but in Him who richly provides. In other words, I'm not going to trust in my provisions when I can trust in the provider. When I can trust in God Almighty, that's who I'm going to look at. And so we said, well, pastor, how do we keep our hope from migrating? How, how do we get there? Well, the apostle Paul tells us, here's what we've got to do. We've got to decide. We've got to pre-decide. In fact, we've got to pre-decide to do more and to give more. He said, I don't want your leftovers. I want you to make an intentional decision that you are going to be a giver. Now, today we're going to kind of wrap up Paul's instructions here in the book of 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, as he's writing to Timothy, and he kind of caps it off. Uh, with a perspective on wealth uh, that I think has inspired more people to be generous than anything else on the face of the earth. I think what we're going to talk about today, in fact, if you'll do some statistical research, what you will find is, now hear me carefully, you will find that Christians outgive their counterparts by far. Christians, well, hear me, as the bum rap we get, if you do the statistical data, you will find in our nation that Christians outgive people who don't claim Jesus Christ to be their Lord. In fact, Christianity outgives any other religion in the world. Why? Because Jesus had more to say about what we're going to talk about today than just about anything else he talked about. In fact, if you'll study the Scripture, you'll find Jesus talking about finances, and he'll talk about how that you and I are to approach the subject of being taken care of and being well off, and yes, even being rich. God has given us that whole aspect, and he's talked to us. So let's look here in the book of 1 Timothy. Would you go there? First um, Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 17. Here's what he said. Command, now that's a pretty strong word. Command those who are rich in this present world. Do you see that? 
in this present world. Now, now he presupposes something, and, I, and this is what we're going to talk about today. He presupposes that this is not all there is, right? In other words, he would have just said, tell those who are rich in this world. But that's not what he says. See it again? He says, tell those who are rich in this present world, all right? Not to be arrogant, he goes on, nor to put their hope in wealth. We've talked about that, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, right? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them, here he goes, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. That's where we got the sermon title from. And to be generous and willing to share. Now, verse 19, we haven't gotten into, but we're going there today. Look at it. Verse 19, in this way, they will, who? These people who do this, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Wow. What's he talking about? So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What's the Apostle Paul saying to us? The Apostle Paul is saying to us here, you've got to understand something, that what you think is life, wow, hang on, is not really life. He said there's a real life that's coming, truly life, in the world to come, in the age to come, is what he's talking about. Now, so this, this kind of brings us to that point today. He says, in this way, you will lay up treasures for yourself. Now, you say, well, Pastor, He's already talking to rich people. Why is he telling them to lay up treasure for themselves? Isn't that what they're doing anyway? I mean, you know, how many of you know that you can't turn on the news, you can't listen to a politician who's not against rich people? I, I think they're a bunch of crazy. No, you didn't hear me. I, I, I think all this ragging on rich people is a bunch of baloney. I think it's a false premise. I, I'm, I'm going to be politically incorrect. I think it's a false premise. Why? Because the Word of God tells us that God doesn't care if you're rich. And I want to tell you something else. All these people who are so against Americans being rich, they sure do like to come to... I could write a song, couldn't I? Come into America, right? I mean, there's, there, there's this whole aspect there that we've got to understand. So when, when we're talking about this, we say, well, Pastor, I thought the whole idea of, of laying it up for themselves was the problem. Well, uh, yes and no. Again, look at verse 19. You got it there? It says, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Paul is kind of echoing a theme of Jesus here. He's, he's kind of uh, reiterating some things. Because Jesus, time and again, uh, when he talks in Scripture, he, he would make this statement, great is your reward in heaven. If you do this, great is your reward in heaven. So the, the context, the whole context, for all I have in this life, don't miss it, is the life to come. See, we, we think it's about what we can get. You, you've heard me say, say before is that we get all we can, we can all we get, and then we sit on our can. Right? And, that, and that's kind of the mentality. We got, we got to get it. We got to get it. We got, no, no, no. Uh, we've got to understand that, that everything I get here is about, that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us, is about the age to come. And, and when you begin to live that way, it releases generosity. You, you don't grab a hold of things. Rich, rich people who get a hold of this aren't bound by what they have. They're not bound by what is in their life. Viewing wealth through the lens of eternity loosens our grip. You're going to hear me say this more than once today. It loosens our grip on, on it, on the stuff, 
and on its grip on us. And I want us to get that. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon today, get that. Begin to look at what you've got. Begin to look at what you've been blessed with, not just through what you have now, but begin to look at it the way the Scripture says. Now, Jesus talks about this. In fact, I, I want to I share a story with you that Jesus told. Would you go to the book of Luke, if you have your Bible or whatever you've got the Word of God downloaded on? The, the book of Luke, the 12th chapter, Jesus tells a story. The, the setup for this story is a couple of brothers are in, in mom and dad have died, and uh, they come to Jesus, and they're fighting over the will. Any, any, don't raise your hand, but anybody ever been through that? Uh, I've, I've, I've no... I've, experience that family stuff uh you can be the best of family until there's 39 dollars and 28 cents to fight over right and then somebody's going to come out the loser and, and so this is kind of the deal they come to jesus and say, handle this make him handle this and in verse 16 jesus tells a story he says and he told him a parable or a story the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest now isn't that great i mean that's wonderful the ground yielded abundant harvest and, and the rich man, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? What a horrible problem. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, let me, let me stop for a minute. He's kind of, it, it wasn't, I have no place. It's like, I have no place to store. I mean, it's, it's kind of a bragging moment, right? And, and what he doesn't understand, let me say this to you. He had extra, not because of things he could control. You, you all right? It, it's not because of the things he could control, because the things he could control, like putting the seed in the ground, that's just the first step. He couldn't control the rain. He couldn't control the bugs. You know, what, what if a herd of locusts had come in and just destroyed? I mean, what, what it, he, he had no, but he's kind of thinking, look what I've done. See, he, here, here's what happens to rich people. Here's what happened to this rich guy. He assumes something that uninformed rich people assume. He assumed that what was happening was for him. It's like, look what I've done. It's all about me. It's all about what I can have. It's, it's all about what I can have in my life. And I want to tell you, folks, if you are blessed today, it's not about you. Well, I worked hard for this. I got it. I understand. And I'm, all, I'm with you, but let's keep reading. Then he said this. He said that, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones, and there I will so store my surplus grain. Now, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea if this is all to life that there is. I mean, again, we, we would applaud this guy and say, well, he's taking care of his stuff. Uh, he's saving for the future. All of those things are good. It's good to plan ahead. But watch this. He was planning ahead just not far enough ahead. Let me tell you, you ought to plan ahead. You ought to be looking to the future, but I'm going to tell every one of you, you better be looking way into the future. Because what you're seeing right now is not all there is. And so his, his whole mentality was, is I'm going to save it now so I can consume it later. I'm going to hang on to it so I can have it later. Let's keep reading. Look in verse 19. Man, it's got quiet in this house. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Huh. Kick back. Eat, drink, and be merry. Woo, sounds good, doesn't it? 
party. You know, nobody, nobody goes T-G-I-M. Thank God it's Monday. Do we? No, it's T-G-I-F, right? Because Friday, Friday's here. We're going to party all weekend. And that's, that's kind of his mentality. I'm going to say I'm going to do this so I can eat, drink, and be merry. Good plan if you've got many years left. But just like he didn't have control over what happened to the seed, he doesn't have control over how many days he's got. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to hear this today or not, I'm going to tell you, you don't know how many days you have. Every week you hear of people who leave this life and you go, oh, it's a shame. Oh, I can't believe that happened. Oh, they were so young. Oh, why? Because in that moment, the Bible says it is appointed unto man. It's appointed unto human beings once to die, and after that, the judgment. Verse 20. I know you want me to get out of this. You want me to go back to 1 Timothy, don't you? But God said to him, look what God said. I mean, God gets just in his face. You fool. That's pretty strong language. I mean, in fact, one place in Scripture says, don't call your brother a fool, and yet God says, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now, let me tell you who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself. Somebody else. Right? And not because you're generous. Because you're dead. Here's what I want to tell you. We don't get credit for what we leave. We get credit for what we give. You know why that is? Because everybody leaves the exact same percentage. 100%. When you die, I'm going to have it buried with me. Somebody will dig it up. And they will take it. Why? Because when we die, it's over. Look, look at verse 21. We'll get out of this, I promise. You're going to be all right. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Huh? What, well, what's he mean here? What, what's, what is he saying in this moment? Here's, here's what he's saying. For, for those who live life as if life consists of the abundance of their possessions... He said, this is what's going to happen to you if all you can see is what you've got. And he says, but then, he says, be rich toward God. Now, how am I rich toward God? Well, I'm going I'm to I'm bring my money to church. Well, does God need your money? Did you hear me? Does, does God, if, if God can speak a word and create the universe, then he doesn't need my money. So how am I rich toward God? When you begin to study the New Testament, you find that there's a transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we brought sacrifices unto God. In the New Testament, God says that we show that we love Him by how we love and treat one another. 
See, being rich toward God, the defined application here is this, is how I treat you is a reflection of how I love God. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We call it the golden rule. That's what God says to us. See, verse 33, we'll jump down and then we'll get out of this, get back to 1 Timothy where it's less convicting. Here's what verse 33 says. It says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, he didn't say sell all of them, but he said sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never, never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Now look at the next verse. For where your treasure is, guess what? There is your heart also. Remember when you bought that new car? You wouldn't dare let those kids eat in the back seat. You would freak out if somebody got in with dirt on their shoes. I mean, you, you just lost it. Why? Because where your treasure is, is your heart. But keep it about five years. It looked like the garbage man done dumped in the back seat back there, doesn't it? It's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Just, yeah, come on in. I know you've been out in the pigsty, but come on. It's all right. It's just, you know. Because by that time, the news kind of worn off, hadn't it? And, and so that, that's what Timothy is, is being told here. It's what, what Paul is talking to him about. And he says to us in that 19th verse, he says, In this way, you lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation. In other words, what, everything else is shifting. And he says it's for the coming age. In other words, here's what God's saying to us. What you give away is stored up for you. What you give away brings an eternal reward in your life. What you keep, you're going to leave. You, you don't get, <laughs> well, it's, it's nerve-wracking, isn't it? You don't get credit for what you leave in the kingdom of God. Now you say, well, I want to take care of my family. Got it, do that. You need to. I'm, I'm all for that. But God says, if you want to understand this process, you've got to learn to be a giver. You've got to learn to give it away. Here's what, it, what I think we need to do. In addition to your savings plan and your spending habits, you need a giving strategy. You, you, you need a giving. You, you need to make a decision on giving. Otherwise, here's what's going to happen. You're going to save it, you're going to consume it all, and you're only going to give leftovers. In other words, we're going to come to that place where we have a hoarder mentality. We'll just be consumers all the time. And yet the Word of God tells us that we need to learn to give it away. Um, on your notes there, if you're taking notes today, there's a place there uh, that there's about six real quick things I want to hit. Uh, he, uh, Andy Stanley, who wrote the book on how to be rich, and again, I would encourage you to get this book because this is what this whole series is based off of. Uh, he talks about being a 3S, 3S giver. And, and what he means by that is a spontaneous giver. You say, well, that's good. Well, it's good as far as it goes. A sporadic giver or a sparing giver. That, that's what 3S means. All right, spontaneous, and, and, and we, we come to that place where, where we, we have a need and, and we give it, all right? But, but the problem is it's, it's sporadic, and it's also kind of, well, I only got $20 in my pocket. I can't give that away to that guy because I haven't predetermined. 
Here's, here's what I want to say to us. And, and again, I, I know this is not one of those messages that we just, yeah. It's one of those things kind of sink down inside of us, okay? A lot of times what happens to us is, is, is that our lifestyle kind of tracks with our income. And if you're not careful, what happens to you is, is that as you are blessed and you get more, your lifestyle just grows. And instead of learning that sometimes that, that, left, that, that, that what is given to you is not so you can consume it, not so you can build bigger barns, but so that you can be a bigger giver. That you can be a person who, who I, it's not just so I can get a nice car, have a nice car, do all those things. They're, they're wonderful, they're fine, God doesn't care. But as your income grows, as you move into that place, you've got to learn to come to that place where you live life, not as a 3S giver, but then he, he gives us, again, what he calls a 3P giver. All right, here, here they are, real quickly. Priority. In other words, giving ought to be a priority in your life. There, there are so many things. And, and, and for different ones of you, there, there are different people who are listening to me today, and the priority of your giving is different than somebody else's. Right? Uh, if, if you've gone through, uh, let's, let's say you've gone through a cancer scare or whatever, you, you, you may be a person who really uh, focuses in on giving uh, to help eradicate cancer. Somebody else maybe grew up uh, in, in a place and, and didn't have a family, and so th their heart is, is to give, uh, to try to help orphans. And, uh, but but what, we, we all need to prioritize what our giving is. The, the second thing that is, he talks about, is percentage giving. Now, I believe that the Scripture gives us the percentage that we start at, and, and I know for some of you this is really going to stretch you. But I believe the Scripture teaches a 10% start. All right, it's called tithing in Scripture. But that God says, that's where as a Christian, now I'm, not, I'm not talking to those, if you're not a believer today, I'm not talking, but if you're a Christian today, God, God says that's where you start is at 10%. It's a percentage of what you're given. Amen? And then, lastly, is progressive. All right? That in other words, not, not just a percentage, but even as we go, that percentage grows. Now, now let me do this. Uh, I, I love, uh, math kind of messes me up. Anybody else? Anybody else have trouble with math? Sherry, Sherry can figure stuff in her head, and it drives me crazy. And uh, I, I get two plus two, I think it's five, isn't it? And uh, not quite that bad. Uh, but, but think about this for a minute. I, I'll give you an illustration. I'm not much of an illustrator. But I got, I got ten $1 bills up here, I think. That's what they told me they gave me a while ago. All right? Ten $1 bills. If I'm going to be a percentage giver, when I get this ten $1 bills, the first, I, I don't even slow down. If I'm a believer, if I'm a covenant Christian, that first dollar goes to the kingdom. Lord, off the top, here it is. I can tell I'm making you nervous. I'm going to give it away. All right? But I don't think we ought to stop there. I think as believers, I think as Christians, we ought to make a decision that, you know what? Not only am I going... To give the 10 but I'm going to be a giver above and beyond why what would happen if we became and I'm not talking about just to the church I think again I think the first 10 according to scripture goes to the house of God but at, what if we became a 20% giver you say well that only means I got eight left I'm good at math one two three four. yeah eight Hey, that's, that's what I got left. Yeah, I know. Let, let me tell you something. You never miss money you give away. 
You miss money, you waste. You miss money, you misspend. You miss money, you loan to your brother-in-law. But you don't miss money, you give away. What would happen as believers? Think about this. What if, what if every believer would make a choice to live percentagely off of less so they can be a blessing more? See, remember, I'm going I'm to hit you with this again. Viewing wealth through the lens of eternity loosens our grip on it and its grip on us. I told you you are going to hear this more than once today. So, so what do we do? How, how do we live? Is it, is it about the dollar? Is it about the two? Is it about the hundred? Is it about the thousand? Is it, no, no, no. It's about our heart. About a heart. You say, Well, I'm not rich. Well, I told you the other day that most of us really are and don't know it. And when I told you that, the whole congregation stood up and cheered. It was just a wonderful moment in the house. And because <laughs> I told you, according to the world statistics, if you make if you have a household income of thirty-seven thousand dollars. You're in the top 4% in the world. And it was just like, yes, we're rich. I also told you that if you make $45,000 or more in household income, you're in the top 1%. And, man, people just jumped up. We did the wave. And <laughs> Actually, I think it's about the same reaction I got this morning when I told you you're rich. But you're rich. Most of you listening to me, most of you watching me today, you're rich. And it's not bad. God's not mad because you got money. God just wants you to learn how to live rich. How to be rich. So that I can do good for those who can never do good for me. I mean, Christmas time's coming up, and, and you, know, you know what Christmas is, is, is that we exchange gifts and we want to make sure they're right at the same level. Come on, you know it. You know it. You, you know that if some, somebody gives you a $25 gift certificate to a restaurant and you give them a $50 gift certificate, you're ticked. It's like, did you see what I gave them? They gave me a $25 one. So basically what we're doing is swapping right but that's not what god's talking about god's not talking about you you give me 25 and i'm gonna give you 20 god's talking about you doing good giving it and not ever ever expecting them to be able to repay it god's talking to us and saying hey guys i want you to understand don't put your trust in riches put your trust in the one who richly provides he says to us, I, I want to explain something. And I think to, to America especially, I think God would thunder to us and say, since you have more, why don't you do more and give more? Why don't you live in that place where you remember and you understand that there's more to life than this life? 
And God says, hear me again, God says, if you want credit, if you want to store up treasure in heaven, the only way you can do that is by what you release out of your hand, what you give away, and when you give it away, you're storing up treasure in heaven. You're building on a firm foundation. You are living in that place where life now is lived through the, etern through the lens of eternity and understanding that what I do now will matter then. That's what God's saying. And so my challenge as I close today is this, and as I wrap this whole series up, is first of all, I don't want you to feel guilty. If, if you are very blessed, if you are wealthy according to the, to the standards even of America, God bless you. There's nothing wrong in that. Don't let anybody make you feel guilty about that. But I also want to say to all of us, wherever you are in life, people say, well, man, if, you know, if I would win the Publishers Clearinghouse, or, if, man, if, you know, I'd be doing that scratch-off thing, Pastor. <laughs> Somebody asked me one day, said, Pastor, if I win the lottery, are you going to take the tithes? I said, I'll sanctify your nasty money. Here's what I'll tell you. Hear me carefully, and I'm done. If you're not faithful in the little things, he'll never make you ruler over much. If you're not faithful when you're small, if you're not faithful when there's a little, if you're not faithful in those moments when there's not a whole lot, I promise you, if you do win millions of dollars or you do have a great invention, I promise you, if you can't do it here, you're not going to do it there. So why don't we start, all of us, why don't we start wherever we're at and make a decision as Christians that we are going to live life with open hands, with a view to eternity. Because this life is preparation for that life.